So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Well, it's Friday morning. I've just finished my uh, banana smoothie with a little bit of spinach in there. And you know what that means. Once I'm fueled and ready, it's time for the Pop Culture Podcast. That's a ridiculous introduction. My wife always teases me when I start as well. She goes, look, you gotta, you got to try and keep the start of your podcast a little more fresh because you've just got the same introduction each week. And I said, well, babe, watch this. And so it didn't feel as loyal or as sincere as what I wanted it to. But nonetheless, I've opened with the truth, and that is that I, I have had my smoothie. I hope you've had your breakfast. I hope your Friday's off to a, a cracking start. I, it's weird. Friday's a funny day for me because it, it feels like the wind down of a week, but obviously you've... I'm in a weird balance is what I'm trying to say. I, I want to get that family balance right where you, you spend enough time with your wife and your kids and you're not overwhelmed with work and the stress and everything that comes there. And then uh, you want to go, okay, well, I'll, I'll finish at 2 o'clock today and just chill out for the afternoon. But I, I also have a reputation of creating massive lists of things that I have to get done. And so it gets to 1.30 on a Friday afternoon, and rather than winding down, I'm speeding up and thinking, you know, like, why did I ever promise to take my kid to the pool this afternoon? He doesn't even really appreciate it just yet. I mean, he's only... He's not quite three, so he's not in an age where he has to show a whole whole deal of appreciation. But, I mean, he is at an age where even even less than showing appreciation, it's more... He, he's, discovered, he's discovered he's got a little bit of swagger. He's, he's starting to discover his negotiation abilities. He said to me the other day, which I'd never heard him say before, so I was trying to explain to him that, mate, we have half an hour, we can go to the BMX track or we can go to the skate park. And he chose, the, he chose the skate park. And then at the end of the skate park, I said, all right, mate, we've got to go home. And he goes, no, what about the BMX track? I go, no, mate, the deal was, remember, we'd go here or there or we'd go to each for a short amount of time. You've been here for a long amount of time. And he goes, no, but you said yes. And it's, it's so hard to try and have a reasonable conversation with an emotional, let's call him three, an emotional three-year-old kid about how he hasn't quite learnt to structure his time just yet and he doesn't understand why he can't go to the BMX track as well. That's where we're at right now. I've got so much respect for anyone with, with more than... Yeah, to be honest, anyone anyone with a kid, you, you're doing a great job. You just hang in there. Keep your head up. <laughs> I used to always laugh because people would say to me, um, yeah, having a kid, it's like the best thing and the hardest thing all rolled into one. And I was always like, whoa, you sound like you don't really love your kid. Like that's a horrible way to explain this absolute blessing that you have in this little family that you've created. And then you have a kid and you go, oh, uh, okay. Uh, sorry, I see what you mean. I get it. It's like me. Every time I used to go on a plane or every time I used to go to a cafe, I would constantly be like, mate, you don't deserve to have a kid. The The way that your child is, is acting in this situation is an absolute disgrace. And now I have a kid. Every time I get on a plane, I just, I just say a little prayer. God, hey, you just forgive me for all the times that I was so judgmental against those beautiful families just doing the absolute best they, they could with what they had. Because it's no fun. And I'm very sensitive to that as well. I was I was probably, not not outwardly, like I think if you were at a cafe with your kid and I was next to you and your kid was being a flog, which at some stage, let's be honest, every kid is, myself included, um, I wouldn't have been rude to you about your kid, but inside I would have been like, I can't wait, I can't wait till this family goes. I, I cannot wait till they leave this restaurant. I don't know why they thought it was a, a good decision to, to bring them out. So I was that guy. So the if karma is a thing, 
I think we're we're going to pretty clearly see that the Popplestone household is 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 going to get their just desserts for all the judgment that came from me uh, pre-kids. So if that was you that got that passive aggression from me, I'd like to formally apologise. Uh, if it wasn't you, just pass that on. Pass it on to whoever it was. It'd be greatly appreciated. It's hard not to, though. I still, my kids, even at the moment, if they make the slightest noise in a cafe, I go, hey, you get one chance, and after that, we just go for a walk. We go for a walk. Because <laughs> the thought that you might be sitting across from me going, that guy doesn't know how to be a dad. And a lot of the time, I'm on your page. I don't really, I don't really know. I used to always think back in the day, I'm never going to know how to be a dad. It turned out, I was I was hundred percent right. You get here and you're like, I feel like my wife's got a, a lot of a lot of info. She she got really passionate with the the information route. There's so much information that that people start looking into when it comes to kids that you never get to the bottom of it. And so much of it's subjective as well because what works for your kid might not work for mine, and vice versa. My brother-in-law has got two beautiful little daughters. And they're, they're so relaxed, so placid, so lovely. You can say to them, hey, please sit down and eat your dinner. And they'll go, okay. And I, I speak to my son the same way. If I said that to him, i go, please sit down and eat your dinner. He'd pick it up and throw it on the floor because he realizes he's got a little bit of wiggle room. Even, oh, crap, I've got to get this studio sorted out. If you're watching this, you would have been aware of the fact I've, I've almost just knocked over all the decorations. It's a wobbly bookshelf behind me, and if I knock it, I mean, it's a it's a dangerous it's a dangerous place I find myself in. I got given this as well. This vinegar girl, she's a statue in I think it's Richmond. Not a statue, sorry. I guess it's like a massive sign. It's almost like a landmark, like a landmark here in Richmond. The old vinegar factory, I assume it is the Skipping Girl vinegar. One of the ladies at my wife's work was given that away years ago. And I don't know what it was about my wife, but she was like, I, I think my husband will like that. And she bought it home and I've never been so happy. Very strange as well uh, how things become collector's items. Like this, we have a, a vintage store in our in our town here in Queenscliff. can't remember what it's called. But I went in there a while ago and they were selling that for 150 bucks. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's not worth it. But that... that that's the funny thing with collectibles, I reckon. Have you have you seen that memorabilia documentary? It's not really a documentary. It's more like, uh, I, I guess it is a documentary. It feels like you're watching the Kardashians, but in the world of memorabilia. I don't know what it is. But man, the, the amount of money that some people pay for like sports items blows my mind. And actually, my biggest problem is I get excited when I watch a documentary like that. I'll go, hey, maybe I'll get involved in memorabilia. That would be fun. Because seeing people at the top of their game, like you don't have to see all the hard work that went into them learning about the memorabilia, finding out what's worth money, finding out what's not worth money. You just see them in in peak state. Like you see them like they're LeBron James in in you know game six. They're just they're on fire. They've trained for this for years. I don't know much about basketball and whether or not LeBron James is a good performer in game six. But I know Kanye and Jay Z sang about Jordan. Uh, Jackson, Tyson, Jordan, game six. So maybe Jordan would have been a reference more suited to that. I do have that reputation though. If you've ever heard of the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram type seven, which is, it's like the fun personality, not bragging. That's just what it is. <laughs> it's fun, but it comes with its caveats. Caveats? Caveats. It comes with its caveats. I feel like I'm saying that word wrong. So I'm good with fun, but when it comes to like things like admin and actually 
just getting started and maintaining something that can be that can be my weak point because I get too over distracted. I was I was up at a, a lookout here in Point Lonsdale last night with my little man Charlie, and it was just one of those perfect nights. Like the sunset was there, there was a lighthouse next to us. You could see the surfers out in the water. You're right on the foreshore. You can see the sand curving around for miles. It was just it was such a beautiful picture, and I was like, oh man, I wish I had a I wish I was a filmmaker because this would be a beautiful bit of b-roll for a film if i was if i was a filmmaker and then at that point my brain's like oh maybe you should start to make films then because like how cool would this be to be able to just show to everyone and then on the way home i started thinking about other areas in my town and started thinking about the fact i've got a camera um started thinking about the fact i I love story i'd love to be able to try and figure out how to put together a cool little story using the scenery from the town and then and then three quarters of the way home, I was like, ah, crap, I'm doing it again. Like, I've never, ever until today been interested in filmmaking. But based on this one thought I had looking out at the surface and the the sunset, something in my brain goes, no, you should do that. And and the other part of my brain believes it. So it takes all my discipline. Jessie, on the other hand, she's a type three. These guys are, I don't know how to explain a type three. A type three is, Jessie hates the way I explain it because sometimes they can sound as though they're trying too hard to impress other people like ideally they they get excited by that if they're not careful they can fall into the trap of of just wanting to impress everyone but the the strength of a type three i can just imagine jesse listening to this going babe we're so much cooler than that typical type three response she's just worried about what you guys are thinking of her um but a, a type three, or Jesse in particular, is very good at just hey, getting the small details done. So I'll come out to her with like this big idea, and she'll go, "Okay, here's your steps." And for me, I love that. For me, I love that. I need the, I need someone to. I actually got in trouble when I used to be a school teacher because I posted a photo of her. I think I might have told you guys this before. I posted a photo of her doing my emails, and I wrote, "Admin is ridiculous," and that job didn't last long because you can't be saying stuff like that when you're employed by a school. To do things like admin but she she gets it done <laughs> and that's we're, we're a good team for that reason man life's going to be easier i think i think it's going to be easier with this artificial intelligence stuff i've just started to dip my toes in a little bit and i've become obsessed really quickly i am amazed at i would have been done for plagiarism i actually got called in this isn't bragging obviously this is just a story that happened to me I didn't really fully understand what plagiarism was when I was at uni, and I didn't really fully want to be at uni. So a lot of the time, my mindset was like, okay, get this project done as easily and as quickly as you possibly can. One of my subjects was art. And like, you'd think with art, you're plagiarizing a painting or a drawing or a sculpture or something like that. But I had this teacher, and she was she was a little wild. Like, she was your classic art teacher. She was a little bit eccentric. She was She was out there. She was different. And she didn't like me for some reason. I think mainly because I've missed 80% of her classes. <laughs> I think that didn't help. But, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I always had the attitude. It's like, I don't need to teach art. I'm never going to teach art. And I was right. And so I got frustrated with the idea that this university was making me do art. So when it came to an art essay that we had to write, I did my, my research. And I got a lot of information, it turns out, from Wikipedia. Now, this is 2008. Um I, as I said, it sounds strange now. I didn't really understand how serious plagiarism was. So I found a couple of paragraphs. I changed a few words, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I submitted that. And she pulled me into her office in true artist style. 
she was very over the top about it, very in your face about it. She'd done in massive red text all over the front of my essay, zero out of 50 fail. It was almost like what you'd get if you were a cartoon character who had failed an essay. And I said, honestly, I can't remember her name. I can't remember what her name was, but I was like, honestly, I don't, I just don't care. Like, what do I have to do? She's like, well, you have to take the class again. I was like, the whole semester. She's like, yes. I was like, this is, uh, this is very unfortunate. The reason I tell you all that is because artificial intelligence, this j- chat GPT or whatever it's called, I, I'm a little late to the party. I can, I can hear and feel your judgment, all right? But this chat GPT has been mind-blowing because the amount of time that it saves you to do really basic things, even coming up with YouTube titles, even coming up with blog articles. I've been watching my wife put together some YouTube videos and they're helping create the script. I've been a little nervous about what it means for us when it comes to the creative side of things. But I think the one thing it lacks at the moment, only at the moment, is a little bit of emotion. So I've got another YouTube channel called Relax Running. So I'm a running coach outside of this. And for Relax Running, last night, Jessie was organizing a little short for me. She wanted to put together one of those shorts she said, it's a really good way to reach new audience. And I said, well, you, you do it, because I don't want to. And if you do it, we'll see how it goes. And so she got a script prepared. But then I don't know what this is. She got a, like an AI voice to read it. And the AI voice at the moment, it lacks any emotion. And it sounds so strange. And I feel like that's the thing we've got in our favor. Because I've been freaking out. It's like, all right, what jobs are we going to lose as a result of this? And it, There's so many facets to it, hey, because obviously it can save you the work, but it doesn't actually offer you the education. But then I've been wondering, it's like, all right, well, do you really need the education if rather than having the education, you just have immediate access to the information? Isn't it the same thing? But it looks good when you can be in a conversation and just start dropping information. I feel like that's one of the bragging rights. Even poetry. Apparently, I saw this on an American 60 Minutes snippet. It was something about, I think, I don't know if Ernst Hemingway wrote it or his wife did but it was something about i can't remember what was the original poem but it was essentially saying hey uh, new baby shoes never warm really really sad Uh, baby shoes never worn not warm and then from there they chatted into they wrote into this chat gpt thing finish this poem and it came up with a sentence they were really impressed by so i don't know it freaks me out a little bit when it comes to poetry because there's something nice about being able to tap into the mind of a genius and find out like a Leo Tolstoy, for example, in the world of literature, he's a pretty well-respected guy. He was a—I mean, he's still respected. He's not with us, obviously, but he's—he's still—he's still respected. I freak out, going, "All right, like, are there ever going to be any more Leo Tolstoys and Hemingways and things? Because Chat GPT is just going to produce it? I don't know. That's what I get concerned with. I think comedy's a good one to be involved in because. Uh, I got it to write me some jokes the other day. They were they were shit jokes. I'm not going to use them. They weren't they weren't good jokes. But more than that, I feel like what's beautiful about commentary uh, comedy is the beauty with like watching Donald Donald Trump. You can have all the jokes, but unless you've got the ability to riff and have a little bit of fun and think on your feet, it's it's not of much value. Did you did you guys see that town hall interview with Donald Trump? I don't know. Was it last night? The night before? He's he is so funny. Like love him or hate him. Man, he's so fun to watch <laughs> because even if you hate him, surely, like the things you hate about him is he's arrogant, he's obnoxious, uh, he's he's very um he's not politically correct. So you can kind of see why some people love him at the moment because they're all the wrong things to be in a woke twenty twenty three. But he was he was just on fire last night. There was 
he'd just been had he just been accused of sexual assault is that what happened or found liable what does that mean because they didn't say he's been charged with sexual assault they said he's been found liable i don't really understand these legal terms so i'm not exactly sure what that means for him but to come out 24 hours later and just start riffing about that and just that the audience was pissing themselves it felt for the first time in a long time that the audience was stacked in the favor of trump and the more they laughed the harder he went which i understand he was saying stuff that he was just chucking stuff out there the audience was dying and there was a couple of people in there that you could just tell they didn't like him they weren't a fan of him and as a result they it must have been hard not to laugh because even if you hate a person if they're just absolutely bringing the house down with their jokes and and you're trying to maintain a straight face i remember sometimes my mum in our in our car i've got a specific memory i was being cheeky to her as a kid and i remember a couple of times just during my younger days she would turn around and yell at me and then she'd pull the car over and yell and then i would try so hard not to laugh but then like i just noticed the anger in her face and how over the top it was for the situation and then i would start to laugh and then that would crack her back. So I felt like if my mum could get me to laugh in what was a, you know, a pretty serious situation where I was in a lot of trouble, surely old Trumpy could crack an audience like that in an hour at town hall. He's got this crazy ability. I feel like when he's under pressure or when people are being rude to him, he just gets more and more clear. Like he gets more clarity, more clear, and more confident in his own opinion. I don't know. <laughs> I just love how blatantly he can say gigantic lies or gigantic um subjective things like their facts so he was reading out a couple of his tweets uh, in, in regards to like the january 6 capital riots and they were saying hey why didn't you do more to stop it and he goes all right well what time did the capital riot officially begin the lady told him and he's like okay well here's my tweets leading up to that point hey we believe in peace the police are our good friends make sure if you're at the capital you're peaceful you're respectful law and order we are the party of law and order and the chick was like oh crap this isn't this isn't ideal and she's like, well, why don't you come back on Twitter? He's like, no, no, I'm part of, I'm a part of Truth Social now. Truth Social is much better, far superior, far superior. And everyone in the audience is pissing themselves because no one knows whether that's true or not. But he says it with such confidence. You go, well, like in what ways might it be superior? And you'd think, I would have thought a bloke like uh, Donald Trump would be a fan of the fact that a guy like Elon Musk has taken it over because obviously Elon's far more passionate about freedom of speech. But I don't know. I guess when you've got your when you've got your truth social to run, I guess when you've put that much work into it as well, it's going to be hard just to go. You know what? We don't actually, we don't actually want truth social anymore because it's like I used to watch Casey Neistat, that that filmmaker. Maybe filmmaking does run a bit further back in my blood than I realised. Back in 2015, and one of the things that he did, he created an app called Beam, and I heard him on a podcast, Flagrant too recently talk about how Snapchat released an update and it was pretty much everything they were trying to do on Beam, but better. And I feel a little bit like that's what's going on with, with Donald Trump. Like, surely Truth Social is just the Beam of what Twitter's already offering. I, I don't know, 100%. Anyway. Hey, I, uh, I went to a 10-pin bowling place the other day. It was a family friend's fourth birthday. She just turned four. And I hadn't been to a 10-pin bowling place, I reckon, since my mate's fourth birthday. Very interesting places, hey. Have you noticed that wherever you are in the world, uh, no matter whether it's a brand new 10-pin bowling alley or a really old 10-pin bowling alley, they've, they've all got that same vibe. They've all got that, 
uh, no, it's like a slightly run down, it's like a slightly slow person who has their group bowling. They're all there in in like a nice custom outfit, but they're terribly designed. The bowling balls are really old. The shoes are really old. The people working behind the counter are a little bit off. They've got like a run down, uh, dilapidated. Is that the word? I've just hit that shelf again. All right, this studio is getting rearranged. Uh, like time zone kind of area where there's motorbikes and stuff. It was a very strange experience. You always leave those places going. I feel dirtier than when I, I first walked in. It's just mind blowing to me. I used to live in Gippsland, which is, I mean, it's beautiful in terms of the surroundings, but in terms of the, um, like the quality of the buildings and um, shopping centres and sporting facilities and bowling alleys, golf clubs, etc. Yet. It's nothing to brag about. It's nothing too crazy. It's okay, but it's nothing It's nothing too crazy. And so I used to go to one in Morwell. Now, Morwell, if you Google that, it's got a very interesting reputation. And this place was run down. I thought, oh, it's just Morwell. But then you go to one in Melbourne. You go to one in Frankston. You go to one in uh, July. It doesn't matter where you are. You, you Show me. Can you show me a high-quality bowling alley? That's what I want to know. Is there such a thing as a high-quality bowling alley? I, I feel like bowling alleys are always like a money laundering thing. Because no one no one goes into it like this is going to be a good investment. Like is this, uh, I just, well, maybe that's not true. Because you go to like a Crown Casino where there's a lot of people, people are in time for a party. I don't know what I'm talking about. If you're looking into the 10 pin bowling world, don't let this put you off. But I just feel like I've never really seen one that's been done well. I'm going to Google it after this. I want to just find out whether there are exceptions to this rule because I'd love to see it. I, I honestly, I would have said until recently the same is true with golf club driving ranges, but then uh, what's that uh, What's that golf driving range where you go and it's a birthday party and you aim for different buckets and you drink? I've heard that's done really well. I can't remember what the name of it is. You kind of got to lift your game these days to stand out in most areas, don't you? Like maybe bowling clubs are the exception. Even fitness classes. My wife's just started a reformer Pilates class. There's three classes a week. Like there's there's reformer Pilates, there's cardio classes. I think there's boxing. And I think you're paying like, it's maybe 50 bucks a week to go and do it. But you've got so many options. Remember just a couple of years ago, F45 was the thing. I think they've just declared bankruptcy. Like how did F40, if F45 can go out of business... Anything can go out of business. I don't really understand that because every man and his dog was at F45 a couple of years ago. At least every woman, at least every man's woman, every man's dog. <laughs> I don't know why I said that American. I think it just gave me confidence that I could get away with it if I said it like that. Every woman I know back in 2019 was doing F45. And then just the other day, actually, my like one of my best mates, his, his wife has decided she's not going anymore, got no interest. I said, what's going on there? It's amazing, like, the, the psychology of things like that is interesting. It's interesting that some people can go, okay, like, things just catch on, don't they? Remember Tarzos back in the 90s? I don't know, I think the average age of listener to this podcast might be slightly too young to remember Tarzos in the 90s. But I remember Tarzos, like, you'd go, it didn't matter where you were. And Trolls, I remember being in grade one or two down in Trelgan and just comparing Troll Collection with other kids and getting arrogant about the fact that I had the I had what I thought was the coolest troll. It's amazing how you got to stay humble, don't you? Because things can change very quickly. And what were those? They were not pop, not pop tarts. Pop tarts are the I know what pop tarts are. Those those uh, breakfast biscuits, <laughs> which are terrible for your health and your teeth. But 
I personally didn't find them delicious, but a lot of people did. Oh, I can't remember what they were. There were these cards that we used to... Odd Bods? I think they were called Odd Bods. And there was a card, it was a guy called IP Freely. Remember those? I hope you remember those. Otherwise, I'm just talking smack by myself here. They were, they were interesting as well. What's a fad that's been in lately that we haven't seen? Or like, what's a current fad? I think things, maybe like social media, TikTok would be a fad, wouldn't it? Like, I think your average 15-year-old, when they're 35, are going to look back and go, remember, remember TikTok. I'll look back and say, hey, remember Tamagotchis? They were pretty addictive for kids in year seven. I never got one. I couldn't couldn't quite understand it. But I remember looking back, we go, yeah, okay. So we had we had Tamagotchis, we had Oddbods, we had Tarzos. What else was there? Even that um that Pikachu thing. Uh remember that Pokemon Pokemon Go, I think it's called. Is it Pokemon Go, the one where you're on your phone and you can go around and track things? That one took off as well. I remember people I never suspect. I remember seeing grown men run around parks trying to trying to catch a little live animal or like a, a so-called animated live animal. I go, well, what, what, where are we at as a culture that this is accepted? And more than that, it wasn't like people were looking at him going, what is that man doing? Everyone's like, look, he's trying to get a Pokemon Go. That could be a Pikachu gold card. Yeah, I'm trying to think of those things. I guess it's like the speed at... So Tamagotchi was okay, but there was it had it had limited functions. Like TikTok still has limited functions, but it's got infinite inputs. So there's so many different people that can just go, hey, like this is how I bake a cake, and hey, this is how I do a backflip, and hey, look at my funny dog. Like that you can keep constantly engaged with things like that. I, I never really cared. I had a I like the only try, time I ever tried Tamagotchis, my biggest struggle was trying to figure out the buttons. And I'd never had much patience for buttons and trying to navigate that kind of stuff. So I sort of just let it go. My Tamagotchi died. It was it was a sad day, but that's all it was. Whereas TikTok, you can't put it down is the problem. I had trouble picking up my Tamagotchi. TikTok's the, the one that's really addictive, hard to put down. And there's so much research that goes into it as well. People, are, I've noticed people are feeling less pumped about the future than what I remember them ever feeling. I've gone through this phase recently where I'm feeling relatively optimistic about the future. I think I might have told you about that book that I read, The Fourth Turning, how history operates in 80-year cycles. There's twenty year, four 20-year periods within that 80-year cycle. The first one's like a time of great hope. The last one's like a time of great chaos and destruction. We're like four years from the end of the last one, so we're right in it. Like that last four years or that last 20 years historically has been the time where there's been big wars and there's been governments that try taking swipes at communism and there's been... Um, it's where money, uh, sorry, gender becomes a big obsession and uh, banks start to collapse. And this book was written in 1997, the fourth turning. If you haven't read it, get your hands on it. Because I put that down, I go, ah, oh, I reckon we're going to be okay. Even in myself, I've started to feel a bit more optimistic lately. Have you guys, maybe that's, I've been frustrated because I felt like for, for ages I was um, going on about the vaccines and how like it was crazy the way we were being treated and I just felt like everyone was going no it's fine you just got to do it it's a it's a COVID period <laughs> and now I feel like that's relaxed and like the emotion of it's been sucked out a little bit and people aren't as scared which is nice so you can have some more honest conversations and there's been like a little more honest conversation about some of the vaccine injuries and stuff like that and I thought oh I never thought any of this was going to see the light of day so maybe that's part of what's making me feel excited I'm not sure anyway I think my mum's going to be glad that I'm uh not as passionate about. Uh, I was. I was frustrated. I got frustrated for those couple of years. I was. I just want. I've never wanted to fight so many people so bad, but also didn't realize how many big people were out there who 
beat the absolute shit out of me if I started a fight with him. So I had to <laughs> just restrain myself. Anyway, got Mother's Day this weekend. Got Mother's Day on Sunday, is it? I should know that. Do you know, last year I forgot Mother's Day. I forgot. We were driving in the car and I heard my wife, myself, my little man, we were driving to church and the radio was on and we heard one of the hosts talking about what they were going to do for Mother's Day this year. And I just casually said to Jesse, oh, Mother's Day's coming up. When is that? And she looked at me and she's like, oh, you are so lucky you're married to me, mate, because it's today. And, uh, I mean, she was so lovely about it that it actually, you know when someone completely surprises you with the way they take something like that that you feel bad? Because she could have fired it up and I would have gone, ah, whatever. Like, okay, I feel bad, but now you're just being ridiculous. The way she took that, I was like, okay, you've got yourself an absolute 10 out of 10. Tice, it's time to lift. So I've got notes written all out over the house. This is a stressful time for me. You know how I said a type 7 earlier on the Enneagram? <clears throat> type 7's a... I'm not using this as an excuse. I've got to work on it. it. It doesn't mean it can't be changed. But naturally, admin's not our strong point, historically speaking. And it, it's turned out to be true because birthdays... Mother's Days, I find them very stressful experiences. And I said to my wife, I go, what do you want for Mother's Day? She goes, just some succulents. I was like, she doesn't even, like, how can you not? Just go get her a succulent. Go get her a succulent and a card. My mum's coming up for the weekend. Two birds, one stone. Boom, boom, boom. Bang, bang, bang. All good. Hey, before I go, do you hear Stanford University? They tried to ban a heap of words, a heap of phrases, just to make things more, you know, gender equality and... Um, they wanted you to use real precise speech. One of the phrases they wanted you to ban was uh, man hours. You couldn't say man hours. You had to say people hours. But it doesn't really weigh up when it comes to precise speech. I reckon you've got to say either 100 man hours or, or 200 woman hours. <laughs> That's a silly one to leave you on. Just a fun little cheeky joke. You guys have a great weekend. And uh, hey, come back next week. We'll do it again. All right, see you then.